Yes. All right, man. What's up? Oh, not much, dude. Just uh, trying to come off of the weekend and get back into routine of things and dial back in some stuff after essentially a week of not being dialed in. Yeah. Well, let's, I've been kind of, uh, been kind of juggling some stress lately and um, I don't know what it was exactly, but I think it really revolved around summer strong. And I guess that's mm. kind of what you're talking about too, is having, you know, being at that great weekend and then trying to get life back on track. But mm-hmm. May was a month for me that was really zigzagging a lot of places here and there and, and just really, really busy. Um, and I think one of the, the overwhelming things that I've noticed since COVID and you may, well, let me back up just a second. One, there's three things that I really want to talk to to you about specifically today. Uh, number one is obviously your coaching system, your your men's group, uh, your coaching group. Summer strong, just wherever this goes. Those three things are kind of the the overview in case somebody's listening in and they want to figure out where we're going with this. But I have identified within myself that I don't really stress about my stuff. I don't really stress about me. I don't really stress about like my training. I don't really stress about jujitsu because those are things that I can very well control. Yeah. But I'm learning more about myself, like stressed about summer strong. I'm stressed about other events uh, that are going on throughout the year. And like just whatever my place in those things is, I want to be the best that I can be. And I never feel like I'm good enough. So mm. coming, coming into summer strong for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, I have the anticipation of what it is and who the people are and, and just the respect that I have for the entirety of it. What was your feeling like coming into that? That was a long way to get around to asking you just how you felt about yeah. coming to summer strong for the first time. But no, it, yeah, was, man, it's, it was a wild one for me. It was. And I went into it like, because all you hear about it is if, if there was any like one thing you hear about it from everybody, it's the idea that like nobody can actually tell you what it is, you know? Right. What I mean? And so it's like, Oh, you just got to go. And I'm like, okay. So that actually put me in a, I think a pretty good spot of like not going into it with like these ridiculously high expectations, even though I knew it was going to be awesome. I wasn't yeah. going in like expecting really anything at all. Cause I didn't know what I was going into, you know? And so it, in that sense, it was like, I got to experience it all just kind of all like I, I wandered around a lot and just like talked to a bunch of people. I didn't really go in with like a plan of like, I'm going to, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk to this specific person. I was just like, I'm just going to go and like, enjoy it, man. And like, see what it's all about and just talk to people that I come across and like, go listen to the speakers and just hang out and enjoy it. And so, I think, yeah, I think that was, I think that was the vibe that a lot of people had mm-hmm. um, and kind of to, to tie everything that I was saying before up when I got there, um, I think in the last year, definitely in the last five years, my life has really, really changed quite a bit. And the perception that I had to be somebody or mm-hmm. because I had done these things, I had to carry myself a certain way this year. I was very much, I was very, very happy to just have the side conversations, mm-hmm. you know, to be, to be peripheral to everything else that was going on to watch people that were like really, really in need of that juice, you know, to get their mm-hmm. fill, 
and and like I told somebody else, I don't remember. Um, oh, it was Greg. We were sitting upstairs when they were benching and, and warming up on Friday morning, you know, yep. and it was getting kind of crazy right out of the jump. Yep. And he asked me if I, if I ever missed it, you know, like, do you miss being able to lift heavy and go hard like that? And I said, you know, this moment right now is the first time I've ever felt what I feel. And it's actually kind of like a grandfather feeling like mm. it, th that's not me anymore. And I know that no matter, you know, my glory days are behind me. and whatever, whatever storm or purgatory that was, I realized on Friday morning that it was no longer. Right. And, you know, there was always a, there was an, always a, what if, or an envy of, man, I trained with that guy or I competed with that guy and they're still able to do it. But literally Friday was probably, I don't know, man. It, it, it was the beginning of a really, really good weekend mm -hmm. that kind of sums up the same kind of feeling. I felt for the first time that I wasn't trying to be woven into the fabric yeah. that I was, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. as simple and as, you know, maybe over dramatic as I can say it, but kind of liking the guy that I am, you yeah, know what I mean? Sure. And, and um, I think you have a good sense of that. And that's one of the reasons that I really enjoy you is I feel like you put yourself out there in a way that's honest. You know, you're not just divulging every little detail of your life, but you know, you're, you're a guy that's got a lot of drive, a lot of clarity, you think deeply, love your family. And it's just, I guess I want to say first and foremost that I've slowly kind of wicked my way in, into networks of guys like you hmm. you know hmm. other people that are just that are just doing it and that's nice for me instead of having to be in a, a situation where i was always feeling like i had to prove myself yeah um i was actually gonna, you, i was actually going to say to you too like it seemed like you had that during the weekend where like the grandfathery example was like i thought like a great explanation of it like where you're really just kind of happy for everybody else and just be like hey this is what I did, like, welcome to this part of my life that used to be like, I'll help you out in this way. But then outside of like you being the MC on the deadlift party, like you really were just kind of like skirting the outskirts of everything and just like having like you weren't really in the middle of everything else that was going on. And that was like one of the things I noticed. I'm like, you just look like you're just chilling and relaxing. And I mean, like, that was awesome. Well, you know, I always um, and like and I don't say this like I'm, I'm any different than anyone else but you know Bert and I are really close friends um and I know how much those things matter to him yeah and I think that being able to see him man this is the first summer strong and, and I saw it at winter strong too I feel like we have got such a team of people shout out to Ricky and and marketing and media and uh Josh Dobby I mean what an awesome thing to see how our company has evolved and we've we've lost phenomenal people um, we've had to trim the fat at times to see, you know, the direction stay maintained and going forward. But to see Ricky really kind of grab the bull by the horns at Winter Strong uh, for Bert and Josh to trust him to kind of just set out and plan uh, Summer Strong and then to see it in execution, mm -hmm. getting to see Josh with his family smiling, getting to see Bert smiling and, and joking around with, with his wife. And I don't know, it, it just – that's it took something off of me to see everybody else having a good time because for sure, you know, I think that's one of the things that I love most is being able to help people or being able to help people achieve or realize something. And, 
you know, that's, that's another one of our similarities using mine <clears throat> is that you've really kind of taken 2020 by the, by the horns and you started a men's group, you started some of your coaching stuff. You went deeper into that. You, you went fully online. And that was something that we talked about at summer strong was, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of this feet first jump into the deep end of, of making it happen. And I remember some of the messages back and forth in the beginning when you were just kind of like uncertain about it, or just wanting to make sure that you planted your feet firmly. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Cause I know this, this is a question that I get a lot and I'm sure you do too. Now yeah. as you're starting to put yourself out there, there are people that want to lead. There are people that want to, um, you know, kind of diversify the way that they do things. And I think you're an awesome person to tell that story. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. And when I made the the decision to go online was, and I guess to even back up before that and tell you about essentially how I end up making decisions a lot of the times, a lot of the mm-hmm. times it would seem like I kind of do it without much thought to it. Like I, I like if I decide I want to do something, I'm just like, okay, let's, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. Kinda, so you're a man. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so uh, luckily I have an, amazingly supportive wife who is cool with me making those decisions in that way. Uh, because basically every <clears throat> career decision I've made, I've made what you would most people consider like just kind of off the cuff. Right. Even though in yeah. my head, I think about it a lot, I just make them quickly. And so it doesn't seem like I've put a ton of thought into them. Right. Yeah. Uh, when I did the thing to go online, I, at that point I had been, uh, going back and forth in between a couple of like boutique studios, just doing like the independent, thing i'd like just pay rent and just train my clients out of these small places and so i was still running my own business um but my son had been born about five months prior to that in june he's actually gonna be two next week uh and then so this was like october ish of 2019 and uh at that time i'm just like you know i have an opportunity that not a lot of fathers will have where I can set this up in a way where I can actually spend a really good amount of time with him at this stage when a lot of guys don't have that opportunity. And I was like, and I, I have an idea of how I want to do it, but if I don't do it right now, like it'll probably be another year before I talk myself into it, you know? And so in that moment, I'm just like, okay, I'm just, I I went into my idea. And this was like over the course of literally like a week, I had, I kind of sketched out this stuff in a notebook like how I'm going to kind of move some of the stuff online, what kind of program I was going to use to deliver workouts, you know, uh, and that kind of thing. And I was like, well, the first thing I need to do is talk to my current people and see who wants to make this transition with me. And unfortunately only about 30% of them did. And then I, when I was talking to you about it, when you do something like this, like moving from coaching in person to coaching online, it literally is like an entirely different business. Like, it's not just like moving from gym to gym in the same kind of situation. I'm like learning how to redo all of this stuff from a business standpoint, how to do the marketing and all of this stuff and, and, and setting up my business online. And so at that time I made that decision. I'm just like, you know what, let's just do it. I went in and I talked to the guy I was renting from and I'm just like, I'm just going to do this online thing. Uh, and he's like, cool, man, whenever you want to come back, if you want to come back doors open, I'm <laughs> like, all right, cool. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, I just like did it like literally that day I was like, okay, this is my last month I'm done. And I did a couple of things. And it, honestly, it took about, maybe five or six months to really kind of understand the differences between the two worlds on a business standpoint, like Mm -hmm. how I needed to approach things to get new clients, right? Like it's totally different. 
And um, luckily, I had about six months before everyone in the world had to go online for a brief. <laughs> and then it became like <clears throat> super saturated for basically all of last summer, right? Because every gym in the world was closed. And so everybody's like, hey, I'm online coach now. And so right. it just became noise. Um, so I luckily, uh, I was fortunate to have a handful of months to kind of get my feet underneath me before that. And this whole, and I still like, I'm still figuring stuff out. Like, I don't, I don't sit here and assume that I've got anything really figured out from like, it's starting to click a little bit and I've got a little bit yeah. of stride going with the new program, but, uh, it was, it, and it still is just like this whole learning process, which I actually, it's interesting when you talk about like the, the coach versus the, the business owner role in a lot of guys, when they come from the coaching world, a lot of them don't want to do the business stuff, you know, right. but if you're on your own, like you have no choice. Otherwise you're like, not going to, it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. You're not gonna be training anybody. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's an interesting thing that you did talk about how everybody became an online coach and you know, you're a guy, you're a lot like me in the sense that, um, I just see you trying to, to balance this thing of like, I got to put myself out there, but yeah. I don't want to whore myself out there. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you kind of fight that battle? Or is it mostly word of mouth now? Cause I mean, everything I've seen, you've got a pretty good reputation as far as your clients seem to enjoy you. They, they make comments, they share their stuff. looks like you got a pretty engaging group of guys. Yeah, it is. And <clears throat> honestly, that really kicked in. I would say that the shift that I noticed there probably happened early fall last year, mm -hmm. right around the time, uh, I started the first iteration of this, of this men's group that I'm running right now. That's, that's evolved a little bit, you know, several times over since then. Um, and it honestly, it's funny. I talked about the business stuff because I think what made the biggest difference was I actually started putting way more attention and, and love towards the guys I was working with. Like, you know, you, when you're a coach, you're like, you're always paying attention to your people. Right. But like, right. I really wanted to just go all in for them and then like do this other stuff that I needed to do for the business. But my, my main focus for my stuff was like, how do I support these dudes? Absolutely hundred percent. So it like, it feels like we're in the same place because that's like the biggest challenge when you're doing online stuff is it can just, yeah. feel, it can just feel so distant <clears throat> that, like it's not really a real relationship. And so I wanted to really make that my point was like, how do I become parts of these guys' lives where we feel tight and we're close knit community and stuff like that. And that was really kind of like where the shift started. And then as far as like the, the social media thing, I kind of, I don't know, it's tough because I fight with myself a lot on how much to share about mm -hmm. myself, you know? And then, yeah. and, and in terms of like social media, I don't know, clout or whatever you want to call it. Like mine is fairly low in, in relative scheme of things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but the people that follow me, I had a, there was a great example. This was a, something that I fought with forever. Um, thinking like, nobody's going to see my posts. Like, what am I doing? Like, I, what do I post all that kind of stuff? And somebody gave me an example that I thought was amazing. And it said, say you only have 2000 followers, right? A lot of people in Instagram world would be like, Oh, that's, you know, not very much. There's, that's not a real like social media influencer account, which I don't, I hate influencer word anyways. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they said, imagine if you gave a talk to an auditorium of 2000 people every day at 10 AM, 
Like sure. if I post every day at 10 a.m. or whatever it is, like imagine you're actually giving a speech at 10 a.m. and 2000 people show up every day. Like that makes it click a little bit differently where you're like, wow, there's actually like, if you visualize that physically, like that's a crap ton of people that are like listening to what I'm saying. And so yeah. that like gave me a little bit more of a, I don't need a certain number of people to read this to in like to help anybody else. Yeah. You know, you know, something that, uh, that I didn't do early on. I mean, and it wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't intentional kind of the, the trajectory of, of my climb and powerlifting. And then, I mean, that was intentional, but the, yeah. the fact that I was just one of the few people at that time that was, I'm talking like, Oh, eight, Oh seven. Like yeah. I was making videos yeah. talking about uh, powerlifting, showing the training that we were doing, you know, c- complete transparency um, we were weird. We experimented with some crazy stuff. Uh, I can remember Jake Anderson and I doing a Zercher harness cambered bar with uh, bands and kettlebells on the ends mm. and then chain and, and uh, a sled behind our back, walking this thing, trying to keep it steady. I mean, it was all experimental. It was more right. piss and vinegar than it was intelligence, <laughs> but we got stronger and we pushed each other. Jake was the guy that rode with me going up to West side. I mean, I tell that story a lot going up there multiple times a week, leaving at two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a, that's a true story. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know if that story would have been true and the story would have continued had Jake not been going step for step with mm-hmm. me. Um, because at two o'clock in the morning, when that alarm goes off, Louie doesn't give a fuck if I go to West side or not, <laughs> but Jake, but Jake gave a shit because I told him I was going to be there at two o'clock. Yeah. So there was a lot of those mornings where, Jake was the reason I got up there and I've never, ever, I've told him that, but you know, it's, it's probably fair that I tell that story for him, him as well. He went on to total 2,800 pounds at West side. He's still training there. Um, just phenomenal guy. One of the best humans I've ever met, but I don't even remember what I was talking about there, but, um, <laughs> the fact that, you know, in your men's group, the way that you have, you talked about having to change and having that accountability, mm-hmm. I, I guess this is kind of where I was going with it. You have an accountability to them now yes, because you're, you're immersed in it. And that's, that's very much what I've felt for myself. I'm a, I'm a leader, I'm a doer, but I do a lot better. And I lead a lot better when I have people to be around. And one of the cool things um, that I, I learned from Jay Ferruja about leadership is that it's situational. Yes. In the military, you have a commanding officer, But a really good, and this comes from Alex Oliver, a really good commanding officer will trust his men Mm -hmm. in in times of conflict, in times of of high stress. That person knows how to deviate their ego versus their role, which is to lead. And to be a true leader, you have to be an effective listener. And you talk about these evolutions. Have you shifted from the idea that I am the figurehead to I am just one of the guys? And how do you justify having them work with you when you are just one of the guys, because that's, that's something I struggle with. First, Dude, it is, it's and it's, and I actually, this was actually fairly recently that I had to sit and kind of think about this, uh, that relationship. And I think the key is establishing it early, like mm-hmm. early in the relationship, like, look, we're going to be tight. I'm going to do all of this stuff for you. I want you to feel like family, But there is a little bit of a separation because you have to have that sense of, and I don't like the word authority, but I don't know the other word that I would put over it right now, just for an accountability sense. Yeah. No, like it's, it's different when you view someone as a coach versus just a friend. 
yeah. right? In terms of how you're going to behave around them or, or be accountable to that person in their head, because then it makes it worth it for them. They're like, oh, it's not just some dude. Otherwise, I would just have my own friends do this. Right. Right. Um, and so establishing that relationship early is like, hey, we're going to be tight. I'm going to I'm going to be as close to you as some probably closer than some of my actual friends, but I'm still your coach, you know, and so I want you to feel like you can right. have that sense of come to me if you have anything coaching wise that I can help you out with, or or anything of that nature. And that in like I said, that was actually just fairly recently I was because it does kind of get especially in a group setting, right? I mean, we only do group calls and stuff like that. We're not all in the same place, but you know, it can get kind of chummy and, you know, we start falling into like, we're just a group of dudes. And then I've got to like, kind of switch it on a little bit and be like, okay, let's, let's wrangle it in here. Like I gotta be, I gotta be that guy, you know, sometimes too. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's important. And I think, I think that is just an aspect of being man. And, uh, I certainly do a lot better when I have the ability to, to blow off steam and yeah. to do so with a bunch of guys. Like that's one of the things that I think has probably bothered me the most um, uh, about a lot of this ongoing social narrative that's, that that's changing and, and change is inevitable. Evolution is inevitable, but man, it's a difficult thing to be. I mean, like when you look at these, Oh, it's a big, strong guy, and he's probably this, and he's probably that, and it's probably this. And it's like, I'm not that guy, but I fit a lot of those check boxes. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And ultimately, I've been, I, I can point in times in my life where I have been a man that I wasn't proud of or done things that I, that I wasn't exactly sure of and made mistakes. But to me, that is part of the essence of being human. And then, even more so, that's part of the essence of being man is like, if you can overcome yourself, like if you can overcome all of that stuff inside of you and all the mistakes that you made and actually rise up and become a good person, I mean, we're going to miss the boat if we just persecute people for the end moment faults, you know? And um, I think that a lot of the things that I'm seeing and correct me if I'm wrong, but men are desperately searching for ground to, to identify like their faults and their, their shortcomings because I don't know. Well, let me back up. I don't know that men are searching for those things entirely because they want to be better men. I think sometimes there's that whiplash reaction of like, Holy shit. I just don't want to get thrown to the, you know, to yeah. the masses and, and crucified over saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. So do you think that your group has, has some of that balance in there? Like where people just don't know but they're all looking for that connection in a safe and private way yeah and i use and because of the nature of the profession right i use strength and fitness as like the 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 foot in the door to have a lot of those other conversations right, right? um because that's just the one yeah. thing that can combine all of our interests right like right. Hey, we're here to get stronger physically but after that there's like, that's, you know, the, maybe the first 20%, like we're going to yeah. have conversations that revolve around things that aren't fitness related or strength related. Like we're going to talk about how do you become a better goal setter and how do you be direct with your words? How do you, uh, how do you change the language that's going on in your head? So you can, because essentially like you're and the language one's a big one that we've been working on lately. That is one that the thoughts that float around your head are the words that you say to yourself. 
right? And yeah. so however, whatever those thoughts are, that's how you perceive the world around you. And so if you're talking to yourself and using all of these, um, I mean, the example I use is like, if somebody else were to say the things to you that you say to yourself, you'd punch them in the mouth half the time. Yeah, right. You know I mean? And so and if you don't think that that's got an effect on how you perceive things, just because it's going on in your own head, it's actually not somebody else saying it. Like a lot of guys are like, well, it's just in my head. I'm like, it's the same thing. Your body's reacting to it the exact same way. And, and yeah. so that's a huge one that we've been working on is like, how do we go about shifting the actual language floating around? And it's a huge process. It's not like something where it's like, oh, I'm just going to stop saying this stuff to myself now. Like it takes time. And it's a huge one that we've been working on, but it's actually one of the ones that I've noticed in the guys that pays some of the biggest dividends off because they can be much more clear with their speech. Like they're, they're more decisive. When we write down goals, we know exactly what we're going after and we build that plan going backwards. And so that's actually one of my favorite things to work on with him because I think it has the biggest impact a lot, a lot of the time. Well, I was listening to, uh, it, it might've been a Lex Friedman podcast. I can't, I can't mm -hmm. recall. I listen to a lot of podcasts and drive so much, but <clears throat> one of the things that, made a point to speak on was um you know we talk about mastery being ten thousand repetitions or ten thousand hours mm -hmm. you know it, it's it's doing something over and over and over and over again and if you think about the difference in a bicep muscle between the first rep and the ten thousandth rep or the ten thousandth hour of bicep training however you want to view that the scale is massive mm -hmm. so imagine telling yourself ten thousand times you're not good enough telling yourself ten thousand totally. times you're not, uh, you know, attractive enough or, you, or you're an idiot or you mm -hmm. can't do anything right. I mean, it, it's very real. And, and like I said before, I'm a person that thrives on a little bit of that, like a coach that'll just really kind of get at you a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. like, you know, tear you down. Um, I react very well to that yeah. because it's like, I, you know, whether it was because my dad was always gone or, or whatever it was, like mm -hmm. trying to prove myself is is an effective way to get me to do something. So I kind of self-talk myself that way. You know, I, yeah. I talk to myself in a very like, come on, you bastard, like get this piece, like get this weight or let's, you know, right. if you're tired, get your ass out of bed, you piece of shit. Like I, I am very, very good at talking dirty to myself. And, <laughs> uh, but the problem is <clears throat> there's just some days you can't do what you're telling yourself to do. Yeah. And then that same voice is like, see, I told you. Right. See, I told you, you know, and it just, it really is a delicate walk. And that's one of the things, um, not to hijack the conversation about, you know, about doing it one way, but mm -hmm. having, having a psychedelic experience for mm -hmm. me was mm -hmm. very, very awakening to the fact of like, I've had experiences where I felt like I was almost in an echo chamber mm -hmm. or, or like, a you know, like one of those old you know, like, uh, oh, it was uh, little mermaid when they were going into like a purgatory and the, they were like shrinking down. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. kind of what it was like is like my life was dwindled down to this little hallway and I could hear the calls of all these things that I would say to myself, just like, it was just noise. Mm -hmm. And it was, and that's, that was the whole point of it. It wasn't like I was supposed to specify and hear what was being said exactly, or to like understand the language, just like, and this is a lot of noise mm -hmm. and to try to get clear of that. So you know, from then on, what helped me kind of actually put that wheel in motion is the journaling. Yeah. Because like you said, having intentions and having goals 
if you're not constantly saying those things or viewing those things or thinking about those things, I can promise you, if you're a person like me in, in particular, the negative is always going to out, outcry the the positive and the go forward kind of stuff. So right. having the, having the journal to kind of like navigate some of those negative things is, is like, well, these aren't really, these aren't real. These aren't yeah. really things that, that are affecting me or they, they, they impact others. So I'm letting them impact me. Um, as much as the positive stuff of like, okay, what do I need to get done today? What do I need to get done this week? What do I need to get done this month? Yeah. And if you start noticing those things are slipping, you know, it's, you've got to work that balance. And I don't know if, if other people struggle as much as I do, but at 39 years old, going on 40, <clears throat> while my life looks better, you know, in a lot of fronts and, and I would tell you that it is better and I'm happy, man, I sometimes feel like the workload just gets harder on myself. Mm. Like I, I feel like I am battling myself sometimes more and more and more. It's like, is it really this hard to just be me? You know what I mean? And mm. it's, it's a cumbersome thing to, to feel that way, but those are the kind of messages that I get. Those are the kind of questions yeah. that I get from other people. They're like, how do I deal with this? I've never felt like myself. I'm, you know, so when you get those kind of questions or do you have any relation to that kind of stuff? Cause I mean, I know you're, you're pretty, you're a pretty wise guy for your age. Is that something that you battle or is it something that you feel like you're, you're kind of removed from so that you can lead others through the storm a little bit? No, I definitely have a lot of that stuff going on and it's, man, it's see, it's like a seasonal thing, right? I mean, yeah, not, yeah. not literally <clears throat> like a seasonal thing, but it just where it ebbs and flows where you have these periods. And I think part of that too is, uh, I mean, one of the main ways that shows up is if anybody is a business owner, like I probably convince myself once a week to burn the whole thing down and go get a job somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what the hell am I doing? This is not anything I want this. I'm just, I'm done with this kind of thing. And so, uh, but that's those moments. Like you were talking about with talking to yourself in that way, like everybody has that crap come up. Right. Yep. And it's just acknowledging and, and the journaling was huge for me too. Like uh, I, I went much more like the, I was very unstructured with the journaling. Sure. I don't know if, I don't know if you were kind of that way or did you, or you went with the prompts or whatever, but I, when I started out, like, and this is kind of tangentially what we were talking about, but uh, I was stream of consciousness type. Just like, I would literally just, and I call them brain dumps. It's actually one of yeah. the things that I, that I work into the, to the guys we coach um, because I would just have so much junk up here. Like I couldn't make sense of anything. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I, I would have all of these things. It's like, I know, I know this is what I want to do. I know these are the people I need to make sure I'm, I'm connecting with and doing all this stuff. But like, I, I literally couldn't formulate a, like a one path to do any one of those things. Like it just right. felt like noise. Right. And so I would do these brain dumps as I call them. And I didn't create this at all. I, I'm sure I took it. Actually, I'll tell you exactly who I took it from. Uh, Jim. Smitty Smith up in oh, yeah, New York. yeah 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 uh, I heard him talk about it once when he was doing something with DeFranco and yep. uh I, I this was like five or six years ago and ever since then I'm like I need to do those pretty periodically uh and uh and so basically what you do is you literally just write the words from your head like as they're entering your head it doesn't have to be grammatically correct you're not writing sentences or paragraphs or whatever it's literally just like I'm writing this word down and I ended up getting like 
I go into the margins, I'm writing upside down, like I fill every single ounce of space just with words that are in my head. And I, and the way that I liken it in the feeling of it, is it literally feels like I'm dumping memory off a computer. Like I'm yeah. clearing bandwidth out. So then even if there's nothing like coherent on the page, I at least have the mental space to think about stuff. You know, yeah. it's literally just all those words are flowing from the brain into my hand, it, it, whether or not they mean anything or whether or not they even turn into anything. I at least have the ability to now sit for 10 minutes and just like think like I think of it as a very physical, literal thing like these brain, like these words moving from my brain into the page. Right. And like now yeah. they're not in my head anymore. I can just sit there and think. And I think that maybe that visualization in my head helps me with that as well. Yeah, I think um, so for me, people, and, and this is something I, I want your opinion on this because yeah. <clears throat> I did that, uh, that ask me anything or whatever the question thing in the stories, whatever yeah. that's called. I did that the other day and got some really great questions, but I kept getting reoccurring people miss the journal prompts, uh, need help journaling, mm-hmm. want to get started journaling. How do you start? How do you get over a writer's block for your journal? So that's, that's one effective way. And that is something that I do sometimes is like there's an ability or a need or just a freedom to sit down and just, I do exactly what you said, whatever my brain is saying, like whatever that consciousness is, is equating to my word. That's what I'm putting down on paper. Um, Other times when I, I literally have no inspiration to write, which is, which is often, I mean, I, I think if, if I were to like kind of classify myself into who I am, you know, athlete, whatever, I would actually classify myself more as an artist yeah. because I feel like I have these creative bursts. I feel like I have a creative energy inside of me mm-hmm. and that stifles me a lot. Like that, that inability to convey exactly what I'm feeling or thinking um, that causes a lot of frustration, a lot of anger. And so the journaling, there are days that I sit down and I just can't think of anything. So it will literally be what time did I wake up yesterday? Yeah. What did I eat for breakfast? What did I drink for coffee? You know, what flavor of coffee was it? And, and just start getting the pen moving. Cause I promised myself one page per day. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. one page minimum just says that I am going to keep an account of where I'm at. Like nothing else. If I don't, if I don't delve into the depths of my soul and my psychology, at least I know what I had for breakfast yesterday. You know, at right. least I know what I, yeah. and, and typically once, once the pen gets moving, the words start coming, you know, Absolutely. and I want people to understand. And I, I, maybe it's something that three or four of us put our heads together on and, and kind of think of a theme um, for journaling for a week instead of, cause that's one thing that I do. I get a really deep question and you know, I get my page or I have a half an hour that morning and I fill up that half an hour, but I don't revisit the question. Hmm. I think it might be something worthwhile to like one question that um, I've, I've been stewing on lately in my head a lot is like, what in my life has allowed, caused and perpetuated a lie? Like what have, like, hmm. what has allowed me to lie to someone? What has caused me to lie to someone? And why have I allowed myself to perpetuate those lies? And you know, it's, it's a thing that you might want to get a grasp on if you're trying to live honestly, right. you know, if you, because just like an alcoholic walking into a bar is going to set you up for a high rate of failure, you know, certain situations or certain types of people or certain types of wants and needs are going to facilitate somewhat of that 
culture to lie or, or cultivate the ability to, to reason it out, yeah. you know? Um, and, and oddly enough, in the situations where I found myself in a deficit where I've, where I have lied or I have been untruthful, um, a lot of those situations have similarities. So it's like, okay, this is one of my pitfalls. And I would have never found those things without journaling, but man, I think people need to con like lying. That is a, that is a devastating act in our society. I mean, it causes Absolutely. mistrust. It, it causes heartbreak. It causes all kinds of problems, but it's not something that we think about very much. It's something we lie about to ourselves, yeah. you know? So totally. I think maybe, maybe some of the prompts need to be like, that would be something really cool. If three or four of us could get together and do a week long prompt and maybe each day kind of like talk about it from a different angle and then cross share yeah. it against all of our stuff. And, you know, for no other reason than it would like, it would get a lot of people on the same stream of consciousness yeah. doing, doing a little bit more. And then that way it creates a collective conversation. I mean, and, and not even for the space, for the aspect of like, Oh man, hopefully you'll get a hundred more followers from this or I'll get a hundred more. It's, it's truly like maybe five more people will, you know, get over whatever's, you know, plaguing their life. And the, with the journal thing, because I get a lot of the same type of journal questions too. Like, I mean, yeah. the, all, the bis, biggest one is how do you start, right? And I'm, and I'm not sure why yeah. it's such a hang up for people. I mean, I can kind of get it because people always want to seem like they're doing it right. You know, like there's like, I need to make sure I'm doing yeah. it correctly. But like the, with the journal thing, it's such a personal thing. This isn't something that you're going to be, I mean, unless you want to sharing with somebody else, Right. I mean, it can be whatever is in your head. And so, I mean, the brain dump things are helpful for that, but also it doesn't, like you said, sometimes just get the pen moving. Like it doesn't have to be this. And it, I think probably comes back to, especially with guys, especially with the guys that I've talked to a lot about this, it's just overthinking, mm -hmm. you know, like that's just a plague in all of our decision-making so much is just overthinking it. And, uh, and so showing someone that it can just be as simple as it, it there's no right way to do this. Like yeah. just write what you're feeling. And, and if you need a prompt to just get the pen going, the one that I use a lot is just like, what are two things that you're thankful for this morning? Like wake up yeah. and just start with that. And then, uh, yeah. like you said, oftentimes once the pen gets going, then you can just take it wherever you want. You can elaborate, you can go down all these different roads, but it, it can be a, it can be a very simple process. And then we just end up overthinking a ton. Do you think our overthinking, because, you know, this is a conversation I got into with a guy at a coffee shop the other day, we were talking about, you know, of course, everybody is talking about COVID and everybody is talking about everything that's going on in the world. Excusing that from this conversation, it really did come down to the idea that people don't have time to think. Mm. So when we try to think it's automatically a, uh, anxiety or there there's a bit of a tumultuous feeling around it because we are reactors like yeah. we the world is moving at a pace that we are reacting heavily it's it's never you know the whiteboard with the perfectly neat schedule never looks like what reality is and in that cause we are reactors and if you think about even 200 years ago you know you basically had one to two tasks every day that you yeah. had to accomplish and that was it like if it was your day to 
milk the cows and put hay in the barn. Well, if you milk the cows and put hay in the barn, that's a successful day. I mean, think yeah. about yourself. You got to get up. Uh, baby's got to be changed. Baby, and, and this happened too, but like you're going one way, your wife's going another way. You got to yep. meet back at noon. You got to go back out at two o'clock in your separate ways and come yep. back and this and that and the other. I, I'm not, obviously you don't have a, a PhD in this level of thinking, but can you see that kind of process being the reason that we are debilitated? Because I, I think we are, I think we are receiving so much all the time and reacting to so much all the time that we never, it's, it's just like in a fight. Like if I, if, if the bell rings and my opponent is so oppressive and so strong and so skilled, I'm on my heels from the jump. I'm, un, I'm unable to even forward in a, in a positive attack. I think that happens to our mental space. If all we do television, look at Instagram, look at social media, listen to podcasts, listen to songs. I mean, it can be enjoyable and it can be fulfilling, but it's still all incoming. It's still all coming at us 150 miles an hour. We're computing so little of it. And then when it's actually time to like, Hey, let's have a little reduction sauce of your own thinking. Like let's get to a place where you're clear. Holy shit. Yeah. I don't know if I can actually say I've truly been clear without a lot of effort. Like it takes some time to get to a place where you're just breathing a little slower, you it know, it does. And the, the, it's such a, like a paradoxical thing, like to think that we have, we, have, we can't make decisions because we're overthinking, but there's all of this stuff that we have the ability to make decisions on, which we actually end up making too many decisions which is why like we kind of get overloaded, yeah. right? Uh, and so it's like, we can't, we're either overthinking and not making any, or we're making way too many. And so it's like this well, weird you know, back and forth. It's kind of like, think about it like this. Um, and I don't know why this just came to me, but imagine like you have this big store of black powder and dynamite. It's like a cartoon and it's out this perfect line, right? Well, imagine like having a tractor where you could just go move the dynamite, but the, 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 the black powder is already lit. So you have to stay there with a water gun to keep mm -hmm. putting it out. And then it keeps relighting. So you can't actually go do the shit that would really fix all your problems. Yeah. Because it's like little Johnny has soccer at four 30 and, and Susie has gymnastics at five 30. And it's like, we're so caught up. That was a terrible analogy, but it, it kind of makes no, sense I understood in my head that, yeah. that we're constantly fighting the small. We're constantly fighting these small fires when the things that would really fix our lives are right down this, like they're within arm's reach, you know, like I miss my kids. I miss my family time. I miss this. And it's like, but as soon as you get dinner, you all go and go to the opposite ends of the house. Like the answers are usually a lot closer than we think. We just have to, we just have to put focus on and it's so much just clearing stuff out. Like, I mean, it's that same like example that he used before when we do the brain dump stuff, it's just clearing that bandwidth out of your head. And there's like the example that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with when you look at uh, like Zuckerberg and Steve jobs, even down to their clothes, like they literally wear the same thing every single day because that's one less decision that they have to make yeah. because they know that if they, they can't waste computing power on something so trivial. Right. And so it's, it's for them. It's just yeah. like, yeah, this is, this is what I wear. I, I have 500 blue shirts and 500 pairs of jeans. And that's what Zuckerberg wears every single day of his life, you know? And so that's just one less thing. And yeah. we tend to hang up on so much of these little things that or something like that, that wouldn't even, 
that wouldn't even matter in 30 seconds, let alone like for the rest of the day, you know? Right. Uh, and those are the, th those are the things because they're so immediate that we end up spending way too much energy on and it just drains you. It like, it, it drains your ability to yeah. think clearly about stuff and make decisions when time comes that they're actually important ones. You've wasted so much energy on all these small things that, uh, that don't even matter. Oh, I think we lost Brandon. I'm going to take over the peace, love and meat podcast for a couple of minutes, guys. Oh, there he is. There he is. I was rolling as host for a little bit there because you, you took off. <laughs> oh, here, hold on. Your audio is. Oh, you're on. There you go. Uh, can you hear me? There we go. All right. Sorry about that. Um, what, what minute marker are we at here? We are at, you know, um, I don't hold on. I want to say, Oh, it's probably been almost an hour. Yeah. About 40. Uh, uh well, we got about, probably about 45 minutes right now. So I'll just okay. look for it and edit it. Maybe yeah. I want it. Who, who cares? But, um, oh shit. I had a really good question for you. Um, but nevertheless, like, you know, just thinking about all the, oh, so if you're talking about having bandwidth and, and Dan John being a person that really talks about being a shark, he was someone, and man, for, for me, for so long, emails were a real problem because mm. I would open them and then it would be like, oh, I'll get back to that. And Dan was like, never open an email, never open an envelope, never open anything that you're not going to fulfill right that you get a bill mm. write the check out right then or pay it online right then don't say i'll pay that later because guess what you, won't. you know how many bills americans miss every because they say they'll pay it later mm -hmm. you know and it's just one of those things that it really does I, I will say revitalize your life somewhat when you start with wins all the time and i know that old cliche it's not a cliche about making your bed um like that is something that you can instantaneously feel good about because it is a productive thing. Like it's, it's a no fail option. You know, if you get around, get up, turn around and tuck your, you know, your sheet into the bed and put your pillow back down. Good job. You've done it. Go brush your teeth. You're two for two. You know what I mean? Yep. It just, it really is changing the philosophy and the psychology of how you approach your day. Um, it's momentum one thing that I think it is. And it, it's, we are so privy to, well, not privy to, we're really kind of passengers of the momentum. Um, we don't always, we don't always know it's, it, I was talking to my son about this last night. He had a hard workout, really good. Um, but I had structured the workout so that he would face failure. Like I knew that at one of these points along the way, he was going to hit a wall and it was going to be a physical wall more than a mental, a mental wall. Yeah. He did squat. He did squats first, uh, speed day, eight sets of three. And then he did uh, some pretty nasty sandbag Zercher lunges. And then I had him do um, hamstring curls in a bridge position. Hamstrings were just cramping like crazy, you know, yeah. and, and this is an overload, but I told him, I said, the reason we celebrate this today is one, it's not because of inactivity. It's because of activity reached this point. So we come back in three weeks and this is now eight, eight sets of three 
and we do the lunge 10 feet further and you do this the proper way and you yep. finish your set, then we can mark those improvements. But momentum is so tricky because we often tell ourselves when it's bad, we're never going to get out of it. And when it's good, it's never going to end. Exactly. So what's something that you kind of, and, and like for him, I was telling him, we have to look at this for what it is now and look back at it in three weeks to see if we can make changes. But for somebody who is like perpetually in that state of negative, like it's never going to get better or that person who never, ever, like I've, I've been to casinos with guys that are like, you know, it was red 50 times in a row. So they're like, the next one has to be the black one. It has to be black. And you know, it's, it's just, they're, they're those psychology types. So what would you tell for somebody striving for that balance point of like, just realizing that momentum matters, but it's always, it's not always in the ways that we expect it to. It's, I like the analogy or the example of Occam's razor, right? The simplest yes. solution is oftentimes the best solution. And it goes back to the overthinking thing. Like what's the easiest thing that you can do right now? Like to make a good decision. Like the, I mean, so easy. You think it's stupid. You could be doing more type stuff. Like yeah. if you're somebody that doesn't drink water at all. Like drink one glass of water today. I don't care if that's all you drink for the rest of the day. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. You know, cause, cause when you do that with somebody, they're like, Oh, come on, I can do more than that. I'm like, no dude, like show me, you can do this every single day for two weeks. And then yeah. once that's ingrained, like we're going to start building off of that because if the moment we try to start doing any more, uh, it's going to start clouding our vision. And so, you know, and it's always going to be dependent on the person. People come in at different areas and we need to work on different things, but I, I usually get the laugh in response because I'm like, this is what we're going to do. And like, no, dude, come on, seriously. Like I can do more than that. I'm like, maybe, but like, let's prove it first. Let's do this super easy thing for a ridiculously long amount of time compared to what it is. And then from there, like, we'll just build on that every single day. And it might, you know, it might be something like drink one glass of water every day. It might end up being 30 days because you bailed on me on day six or something like that. Like we're restarting the streak. Yeah. You know, like, and it's like, it's not a failure. It's just like, Hey, we move on. Now you have a new streak starts on technically would have been day seven, but now it's day one again, you know? Yeah. I think, I think that, you know, people, once they start to feel the pull of control, you know, and not, not in the negative context, but like really retaking control of their life, re like reaware or reaware, readmitting mm-hmm. or becoming aware for the first time that really wherever we are good, bad, indifferent, we put ourselves there. Even if not like by every single choice, the majority of the collection of choices put us where we are today. Um, and it just, it's such an important freeing thing to know that because I think a lot of people really do think that either something is never going to give or something's going to give all the time. Like, well, somebody's going to do this for me or somebody's going to help me out here. Or this is going to happen yeah. or whatever it is. And man, we get such a limited time to figure it all out. And it's so sad that like I'm 40 years old almost. And for the first time in my life, I'm just now getting to the point where and, and in 10 years, I'll know that I know nothing now. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Exactly. But I, I'm just getting to a point where like, holy shit, I'm not waking up to a hurricane every morning that I caused. So I don't know, man. Like, 
where do you want to see this? Where do you want to see yourself go with, with your coaching? Is it something that you want to say small, like, small number or is it something that you look to grow? Is this like a, yeah. is this a Tony Robbins circuit or you get up with the little, the little earpiece that comes around <laughs> the side or like, what are you looking for? So like, what are you looking to do here? With, with this group specifically, I think the power of it is in relatively small numbers. Now, whether that means I can run and what I'm kind of envisioning for it is I'll have multiple classes that are happening kind of simultaneously, but it's, you know, because more, a really important part of it is the guy's connection to each other, not necessarily sure. connection to me as well. And that can get kind of lost or overwhelming if you're thrown into a group with 30 dudes right off the bat right? Especially when you're online and nobody lives in the same place. And so if I can keep these kind of my idea for it is if I can keep in kind of the eight to 10 group size, but you know, then I'll have several different ones kind of happening simultaneously, but this is your group over here. We're all going to do this same stuff together, Mm -hmm. but these are the guys that you're, this is your team. These are the guys that you're communicating with the guys that you're accountable to um, and you're developing relationships with all of it kind of comes back into me to make sure I'm facilitating a lot of that. But uh, I want more of the closeness with each other because if we talk about the, just the importance of, and men specifically having the tribe, right. Yeah. And having it, it, that needs to be a smallish kind of group. Like the tribes were not massive amounts of people, you know, yeah. because you, you get, you don't be, you're not able to develop relationships and learn, <clears throat> learn roles and develop roles with each other and, and, and the accountability that way. So, but one of the things, <clears throat> so that's where I'm, I'm thinking for that. I still love doing one-on-one stuff. I just do that in much smaller doses because that's way more time intensive for me and for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Uh, so I, I take on a handful at a time. It's not anything where I, before I was doing like, I think at one time I had like 25 one-on-one clients and I was just like, so beat all the time, (laughs) like just from the energy that it takes to like one-on-one be there for that person. And then it's, you know, two dozen people that takes a a crazy amount of energy. And uh, I realized that I, some people can do that. I was not one of the people that could do that very effectively. And, uh, but one of the things I really do want to get into is doing more in-person stuff. And my idea for it, excuse me, is to do something in the form of like a retreat, Uh, something where we can just like go up into a cabin in the mountain somewhere, take a bunch of kettlebells, we'll do breath work, we'll do, uh, we'll swing some bells, we'll cook good food, you know, Um, and this weekend, specifically at Summer Strong was like, super inspiring for that for me. And uh, just because of the way that the connection around food happens, and oh, looks like we lost Brandon again. Next time on Peace, Love, and Meat podcast with Ross Hillier, your host. It's been 10 minutes since the last one. unmute there we go jesus 
so my my phone was sitting like above my uh so it can't work anymore sorry about that Jeez. oh you're good you're good where where did you cut off where was where was it that i well you were just talking about how like well through all of this i heard you more than it was like just real real choppy there for like the last 30 seconds that okay. i heard you huh? yeah you so... were talking about your men's group being eight eight to ten you're yeah, talking yeah. about how you wanted to uh yeah go ahead so sorry so no, you're good. So um, I had to lie, lost my train of thought too. So one of the other avenues of this that I really want to make happen and this last weekend was actually super inspiring for me and kind of the ways that I was imagining it in my head was to do some in-person stuff, like some small retreat type things, like get the guys that are in the programs together, like go rent some cabin up in the mountains here in Idaho, like bring some kettlebells, We'll like, we'll train, we'll do kettlebell stuff. We'll do breath work. We'll cook some food and we'll hang out and we'll do all the stuff that we would do, but we'll be able to share that in person. And that I think can be something that's super powerful and would just be a ton of fun other than that. You know what I mean? Well, that's something that, um, that I've been wanting to do. So maybe we can put our heads together there and, and do something in that regard, but, um, definitely don't want to infringe on what you got going on, but I'll I think I'll do, I think that between the two of us and maybe a couple others um it could be a really diverse really really i i think important in the sense of i don't give a shit what anybody else thinks about it but important mm -hmm. for those people that are there absolutely you know so that's kind of one thing that i want to do um i like the in-person stuff i just don't have the time or the flexibility or maybe i'm not willing to give up the flexibility that i have right um I love coaching. I love looking at someone's face. I love watching my son train. Um, I, I love that connection that you really do only get when you're coaching an athlete. I mean, not, not just passively like somebody that's, you know, just training to train, which I love that too. But man, when somebody's really getting after it, trying to stack bodies, you know, and, and yeah. just get as strong or as fast or as athletic and, and great as they possibly can be, that stuff really juices me up. Yeah. And that same kind of feeling has now carried over to people being able to pay a bill on time or being able to apologize to somebody. Um, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, like everything that could fucking happen during this thing is happening. <laughs> um, but anyhow, you know, it's that kind of stuff that is just really appealing to me because it does matter. Um, it matters a lot more than a squat PR. It matters a lot more than a deadlift PR. If somebody can get their life together and then somewhere along the way, find some deadlift PRs and, yeah, and man. squat PRs too. That's what's really motivating me. And then of course my, my love to cook, my desire to be outside, my desire to, to again, help people just be capable, capable in a setting where they're maybe a little bit unsure, you know, teach them how to make a fire, teach them how to source wood, teach them how to do these things. Um, I think there's a real appeal for it. And I also think that COVID awakened something in a lot of people where it's like, don't know if I really need this. Not sure if I'm ever going to maximize this, but at least have the skill set to say I can do this, you know? Yes. And this, the skill set part of it is like, I, I just jam on learning new stuff. Like 
from a skill standpoint. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, and, and you said it <clears throat> before, like when we're, if we're talking about doing something like this, where you said, uh, I can't remember how you said it, but just, you know, even if it helps the people that show up, right. Yeah. yeah. Selfishly for me though, like I need that too. You know, oh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not doing all of this because I think I've somehow reached something where I can, I, I'm not learning anything as well. Like these kind of things are just as like, like fill me up and just as important and fulfilling for me as it would be for like anybody else that, that I work with, because I, that's, that's how I get my juice. You know what I mean? For sure. And so, well, that's, I think that's yeah. the, I mean, I think that's the honest admission for me too, is like, that's why I started peace, love and meat. I wanted a, a different set of followers, people that were invested in who I am now, the things I'm doing now um, to where, when I speak to these people, it's different than just throwing a, you know, a bait in the ocean and seeing mm. if I can catch a fish. Yeah. It's really talking to people on a level where, and I, you know, I don't get angry with it because I don't want to force anybody's hand, but you know, when I bleed a little bit on the page, I want people to engage with me. I want, and what, and, and where I do get frustrated in that is, is never the fact that people don't communicate because I know I'm asking hard questions. I'm asking people to analyze things that aren't fun, that aren't yeah. easy, Heavy. but, what drives me insane and kind of drives me from, from my frame a little bit. And I don't, I don't, I do not want to have it be one thing and me misunderstand it, but it's certainly not jealousy. It's just a mm. strong misunderstanding. When I see people that just absolutely stage these, these stupid, like low, like the lowest of the low comedy videos or whatever. And, people that I, that I won't say that I don't respect them because they comment like this stuff, but it just makes me wonder what the fuck, like, they're like, Oh my God, bro, you're so funny or dude, you're hilarious. And it's like, this is the, like, this is, why are you feeding into this? Yeah. You know? And then here it's like, you're just kind of hoping that people connect to what you're saying. Don't completely think you're crazy. And then every once in a while, shoot you a message or leave you a comment that, mm -hmm. That makes you think too. That's really what I want is I, I love more than anything when I get messages from people that cook their, their meal the way that they wanted to for the first time, mm -hmm. or if they made how many red pickles did, or red onions that people pickle, <laughs> Seriously, you know, and that kind of stuff just juices me up. It, uh, it makes me feel good to see that like simple things that make my life or my day better somehow can impact and make other people's life and day better. But I still have that selfish one of engagement where, yeah. you know, things from other people's lives make my day better or make my life better. And it's something that you can't really ask for. It's just it's a blessing. And, and I'm grateful for it when it comes. But it's also like it's a good dopamine hit when you have those conversations and stuff, too. It's also it gives you and, and maybe this is just how I experienced it, but it gives you a sense of it's like a different sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like when you have those messages come in, right? Like the one that I've given the example of a couple of times <clears throat> is when I post on my stories, my picture of me, sip my coffee, read my Bible. In yeah. the morning, right. Like I do that not to show everyone that I'm reading my Bible every morning, but it just helps me make sure that I'm doing it because if I'm telling yeah. you that I'm doing it, then I'm going to do it. But then the moment, like, and I just do it because like I said, I need it for me kind of selfishly. Right. But 
the moment I went a day or two without doing it for whatever reason, I got like yeah. messages. They're like, Hey man, yep. you, you're okay. Like, just want to make sure, uh, missed your verse this morning. I don't know if I missed it. Like I didn't know where, where to read this morning. And I'm just like, Holy cow. It kind of yep. like, it kind of hit me hard. And I'm like, this is, wasn't at all what I started doing this for, but it's one of those things that you don't expect to have such a deep, you know, and given the context of it, I actually would expect that to have something, uh, a deeper impact on people than a lot of the other things that I post, but still yeah. uh, having those people message me and they're like, Hey man, miss this today. Hope you're doing all right. And it's like somebody I've never heard from. I'm like, damn, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just like a, it's like a heavy feeling. You're like, I, cause I feel bad for missing now. And, yeah. and then again, it's, yeah, it's just nuts. Well, it's the, it's, it's the reason I do my day count. It's the reason I show myself after jujitsu every time, because, yep. you know, it's, it's just an honest account and yes, it is. There is a, there is a hope that knowing that people will see it, that maybe somebody will take that. Mm -hmm. But for me, I can tell you, and I, I've said this before, if my, if my status or my storyline is kind of like, you know, tearing into people, it's because I need torn into. Right. Um, if, if I'm posting like, man, just be happy and be grateful. It's because I've probably just come off a time where I've been highly stressed. I've done something so simple. And it was like, yeah, remember this, like, don't forget this the next time. Like just remember to settle in and be grateful for what you've got. But my, my Instagram is somewhat in a reflection of what I need as well as what I do. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll post a lot of shit talking stuff because that's what I'm needing to get through whatever I am. And then sometimes I post happy things because I'm actually happy. And sometimes it's like, man, if everybody else is posting the saddest shit in the world, the world's on fire and we're all going to hell kind of thing. Um, if I can post a little, a little bubby chubby or a little <laughs> right. chubby buddy, uh, post and talk about Mountain Dew and the holler, you know, if it makes somebody <laughs> laugh for a second it probably made me laugh for a second. And that's, that to me is, I think when I was younger, it did become a point where I wanted to make more money and I wanted to sell more stuff and I wanted to be visible and have followers and all this kind of thing. But it really does come back to, I don't want to re be remembered as a guy that sold a lot of stuff and had a lot of followers. I'd rather be remembered as somebody that actually had impact that actually paid attention when people spoke that actually, you know, replied to messages and was creative in, in the way that I help people think the way that I help people look at their lives, help people realize that, man, you don't have to go to a Morton steakhouse to have a really fantastic steak. Lo and behold, what if you teach your son to do that? Or what if you fix your girlfriend, the best steak she's ever had in her life? Or what if you show her that you have an appreciation for wine or the ability to write out a card or the ability to, sharpen a blade or make a blade or you know whatever it is it doesn't mean that you're like some you know you're not some asshole because you acquire these things it's really beautiful the small gifts that you can give people when you when you are a thoughtful person when you do have a talent or a skill or you're curious that's probably my favorite thing about any human being in the world is that they're curious the willingness to try the willingness to fail mm -hmm. i want other people to feel that curiosity again, because you can go to any schoolyard and you can watch those kids play. And yeah, you're going to see a kid with his head down or you're going to see a kid that's sad, but overwhelmingly those kids believe in the stars. Those kids believe 
in a dream. They believe they're going to be a fireman or they believe they're going to be a, a soldier or they believe they're going to be, you know, they're, they're going to do something great in this life, an athlete, an NBA star, uh, whatever it is, you can see that on their faces. And somewhere in this life, that gets chopped down. I don't know where it got chopped down in mine. There's not a specific point where I say, man, the whole thing came unglued. But I can say that my life went through stages where I didn't believe in anything, especially myself. So if I, through all of that, can share a recipe that somebody makes, and for the first time in a long time, one, they say, I can do something. Two, I can do something pretty good. And maybe three, heck, they get lucky and they feed their family with it. Yeah. Holy shit. That's something Casey Bard and I talked about when he first did those Thanksgiving, um, the turkey, the turkey seasoning. Yeah. He was like, man, X amount of people are eating a turkey flavored with my seasoning. And, and that's an emotional thing, you know, and to imagine Casey building a company that can hire his dad to make cutting boards, yeah. you know, it's just like the older I get, maybe it's just, I'm getting softer. Or maybe I'm just seeing the truth of it, but I just think that there is something about we need to help each other. Like we didn't get here alone. I don't believe in the self-made yeah, bullshit talk. I don't believe in that. Like you have to be self-driven, but you're, nobody is self-made. Um, and I, and I think that that mentality is what's gotten us in a lot of the situations we're here because we, we think the individual is more important than the collective, but the right collective is impenetrable. The right collective will build you up when you're broken. And I can say that, you know, to kind of summarize what you're doing, the, the work and direction that I'm wanting to go, as well as Summerstrong. Summerstrong was that initial brotherhood for me. It was that initial welcoming to a group of people who aren't perfect, who aren't, uh, you know, doing every single thing right, but they're keeping their head down and they're working hard and they're going through. And for Bert Soren to look at me probably at the lowest time of my life and say, B, you know what? Uh, we've kind of been putting this thing off for a while. We'll work together. We'll figure it out as we go. I just want to highlight you as a person. For him to say that to me as a man that didn't believe I had anything but faults worth highlighting mm. was like, okay. And, and what if you give that extension of belief to someone else? What if you give someone an accountability that they can't muster? That to me, above all the equipment, above everything else that Sornex is, that is Sornex, is the willingness to improve the human experience at the level of connection and brotherhood. And that's the thing, man. It fires me up to this day, and it's trickled down into my life. I see you doing it in your life, and it's just that is the only way forward that I know, and the only way forward that I can commit to is to give of myself so that others do better than I can. You know? Absolutely. The... And that was one of the things that I noticed being there this weekend was, I mean, I used, I used, used the word too, but I used the word welcoming. Like I, I almost don't think that word is strong enough for right. like what I experienced down there just from, I mean, cause I, and we talked, I talked to you about this when we were talking down there. I, I've never met anybody down there other than through like Instagram, right? Like I didn't know yeah. anybody in person or anything like that, but it was essentially like a family reunion of people I'd never met in person, like, yep. or even met at all. Like people that I'd never even connect, connected with on any level were just like the most kind and asking like how I'm doing and what I'm doing here and where do I come from? And like asking me all these deep questions and just connecting. 
And, and Bert said it great at the beginning of the thing that this, this one specifically was one that everybody really needed because yeah. the lot, like we needed this one a lot more than ones in years past. Uh, it just because of the connection. Yeah. I, you know, I've been to a bunch and they're all great for their own reasons. Um, and, and really I didn't, I didn't think of it this way until this year either, but it's Thursday now. And it ended on, it ended at Saturday night. Like there was no Sunday event. I mean, people stuck around and said hello and goodbye and that kind of thing. But, um, since Sunday, I've gotten a stream of messages every single day, people just kind of like highlighting and recounting their feelings and their emotion about it. This one was special. Yeah. I don't know how to quantify the best, but this one was significantly special. Um, I felt like for me personally, it might be my best personal one just because of the the level of conversations that I had with the level of people that I had, um, you know, sitting out with Bo Sandoval uh, Friday night until two o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. just, you know, that group of people there, uh, you know, you were around and saw all that and, and mm -hmm. like felt all that. The conversation changes after the sun goes down, you know, Absolutely. and, and, and things just get a little more clear. People are a little more honest. Alcohol may be involved, you know, like, <laughs> but, but it get it's, it's important. And that's what, that's one of the things that I say is like, you know, somebody asked me about that. It's like, man, they really they said something about beer. And they're like, man, I can't believe Sornex is giving out beer. And I'm like, you got to detach the idea that Sornex is just like this, you know, it's not some, it's not Borshaka. You know, it's not somebody that's right. like sitting over you, just brooding, demanding right. that you be the strongest person in the world. I, I mean, and maybe Bert would take the take offense to this, but I truly think whatever elevates the human experience right now is what Sorenex would encourage you to do. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because through strength and through physical culture we experience life at a level that an average person does not. Now, does that mean that we go out here and we have a case of beer every day? No, but at Summer Strong, if you're having the time of your life and you have five or six beers, nobody's going to judge you for that. Actually, you're right. probably going to have a better time. I mean, you're going to have an experience where some of that guard does come down and, and maybe that trickles into the next time you talk to that person or the next time, mm -hmm. the next time. But we just got to keep pouring into people. And I think that's what Sornex does really, really well. And just, in, you know, kind of the switch, and we talked about Bo there. And to still really continue talking about Summer Strong, we got to roll. And yeah. we got in, got to do some jujitsu there. And that was, that was awesome, you know, man. I'm going to, I want to take the, <laughs> I want to take the blame on that one as far as it was going to be one of those just hope it's really cool and ask forgiveness instead of permission situations. <laughs> But it was a uh, it was a uh, it was kind of like a covert operation. We we got some mats. Uh, Kate, Jamie got some mats in Atlanta, and Bo, of course, rolls. And we talked to you about it. And it was it was a really neat thing because Sornex is physical culture, and if if we don't understand the fact that people wanted to get stronger because of fighting, because of grappling, we're probably missing the boat. And this is just an area where jujitsu has evolved in the last few years, and you are seeing the uplifting of, of jujitsu practitioners who used to say, if you want to be good at jujitsu, do jujitsu. But now you're seeing Gordon Ryan lift weights every day. Uh, a Nikki rod lifting weights every day. 
you got the UFC Performance Institute doing massive amounts of research on these UFC fighters. You see a Francis Ngannou step into the ring. Um, you know, you're looking at these athlete warriors and understanding that, okay, maybe this isn't an area where Sornex saw coming. Yeah. But maybe the, maybe the two worlds collide at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I just think it's an area where if we're looking for, I mean, just like the archery world, you know, yeah. Sornex was looking at the outdoor segment of like, okay, is there a reason here? And Cam being a, a huge driver in that campaigns, being a guy that lives it, talks about training and talks about running, talks about shooting his bow. I don't think it's, uh, you know, I, I didn't pick up jujitsu to say, Hey man, hopefully Sornex right. loves jujitsu. I started doing jujitsu and seeing a practical application of Greg's training to the mat, as well as like some of my own ideas about coming to the mat and then talking to my teammates. It's like, man, when you get me in a, in a spider web, I cannot get your hands apart. I cannot get your fingers apart. I cannot get, you know, I can't choke you out because your shoulders are so dense or I can't do this or that. And it's like, okay, if this world is willing to listen, I think Sornex has a really good message for it. Not trying to be the flagship, not trying to be anything more than what it is, but if somebody is within the parameters of Sornex and they're also practicing uh, a practitioner of jujitsu, I think we ought to just take a look at, can we help? Human performance is human performance you know, absolutely. There's, there's no boundaries on that development. I mean, it's, you talk about where they came from. So there's obviously more bias towards that because that's where the foundation is at the beginning. Right. But even the example, like you said, getting into the outdoor stuff, I mean, there, there is opportunities to like go down maybe some of these alleys that was like, there's some mutants down here too. That would yeah, uh, like that, that still tie in perfectly to everything that, that they, that we believe in. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so dude, I like I, that you said, we, I like that you said, we, I don't even know if I meant to do that, but <laughs> well, that's good. Though. But that's, that's, that's the thing is it's like, whether you're in Sornex HQ or, you know, you're just living the life the way that you are, I think you're carrying out an existence that anybody that I've ever met through summer strong, through winter strong, through anything, you know, it, it just, it would mirror, an archetype of those people, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's super cool, but to really specify on jujitsu, you've been doing it for four months. Yeah. I started I at mean, the end of February. So like just and, now four months. Yeah. And I'm trying to think it's exactly funny. when I started. I, um, I think I'm coming up on, I'm nearing a year mm-hmm. and um, I, I certainly felt very, very good about some things and I felt completely exposed by some things, <laughs> but I got to say, man, um, getting the experience to roll with three different body types, three different skill levels, uh, in a very quick succession, we were doing three minute murder rounds. Yeah. It was like, Oh, we're just going to roll easy. And then it was like, as hard as, or at least for me, I'm an idiot. I, I have like no throttles. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you know, Jamie is impossibly long and, oh, and yeah. he's, he's got some strength. You have really, really good movement. You have incredible leg flexibility and dexterity, um, relative to me. It was, just, it was nice getting that wave because it's like you've been trained in the least. Jamie's been training in the middle and Bo's done a cumulative of about five years. Yeah. So, but nobody, and this is where I think strength is an equalizer is that nobody just straight out dominated anybody yeah. else. Like everything else was, was fairly even. <clears throat> and I think that for a weaker person, some of those moves, um, 
might just pass. So it would look like dominance. But right. when you're strong, you're able to resist. Even if you don't know what you're doing, right? you're able to resist in such a way. And that's, that's what happened with me and Bo. I mean, there were times where he kind of caught me in some deer in the headlight moments. But because I was strong, I was able to brace and I was able to wiggle yeah, and move yeah. around and, and just kind of protect myself in, in a strength fashion, which has to improve and become better at jujitsu. But still, what was your takeaway from that? We each did yeah. five or six rounds. I mean, it was, it was a pretty yeah, good. I did, I did two, <laughs> I did two or three with you. I did two with Bo. I did two with Jamie. And I don't think I, I don't think I went with any of the, the other couple of guys that came out. Uh, late. Yeah. There was a couple of them that showed up, but um, I, I mentioned to you, like, rolling with you in terms of body type was actually the most comfortable for me because here most of the guys I roll with are 20, 30 pounds bigger than me anyways. And so right. like you're much stronger than them. So there was crap that I could not pull off with you that I could on some of these other guys. Uh, like you yeah. said, where strength kind of is your massive advantage. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and then this was also my very first time doing anything. No gi. I've never, I've never done anything no gi before. And so even just the basic, like, instead of grabbing the lapel, like, how do I need to put my hand on the back of your neck? Like, I've never had to do that. And so like, yeah. there, there was this sharp, like the first round with you when we went first was like, okay, this is, you're literally throwing me in the deep end right now. I'm just going to figure this out. And yeah. I, ended up, I ended up getting on a, on a decent side control position. I'm like, okay, this is comfortable. I can, yeah. I can do something here and kind of move around a little bit. But I made the joke that uh, when I went with Bo, and maybe you felt like this too, uh, no matter what I did when I was going with Bo, it felt like it was exactly what Bo wanted me to do. For sure. <laughs> you know I mean? For sure. Like I think even one yeah. time, I think even one time when we were doing something, I, I ended up, what I thought was going to be at least a setup position for me. And I think out like out loud, he actually whispered, he's like, Oh, thank you. And I'm like, Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> bastard. But all I, all I said to Bo was, Ah, oh, you fucker. But he, <laughs> right. um, he had, a, he had me in a, in a crossbody arm and it was, it was crazy because I was, and this is, this is very telling of my psychology. I wanted to get his arm across his throat. Like I was yeah, trying to yeah. push it across his body so that I could get my head outside of it and then squeeze. And, you know, for somebody that doesn't understand, I'll try to draw this out for you. He's laying on his back, somewhat on his side. I've got my left arm around his neck and his, his left arm would be sticking to the sky. And my right arm would be cupped under that. We're kind of chest to chest. And I'm trying to get his left arm under his face, under his chin Mm -hmm. or across his face in a very violent fashion. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and what it, which, what I want to do is ultimately get my head outside of that arm and turn myself into him and squeeze my left arm for a for a head and arm choke. Yep. And I was sitting here so persistent, like get his arm, move his arm, move his arm. And Jimmy Mackey actually took a photo and sent it to me. And Bo told me what he was doing, but I couldn't see it, and I and I wouldn't relent that Bo was not. I wouldn't relent that I'm not stronger than Bo. Right. So it was like, that's where that ego came in is like, no matter what, no matter how stupid this is, I'm, I'm going to see this ch- thing in. But what I was doing at the same time is I was like, I couldn't figure out how he was choking me, but he had his arm across on my other side of my trap. So yeah. every time I would push his elbow and like <laughs> falling down into him, I'm choking myself. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're pushing him into you. But that's, that is the thing of like so many guys, myself included, we're not willing to just come off the gas a little bit and reassess where we're going. Um, 
and, and full and you know running that head into the wall is eventually going to do some damage and that's what it was like i got so tired from that we and not to say that he wouldn't have but i lost the position and he actually swept me because there was a point of like oh shit and i just kind of mm -hmm. like eased my body and he was just waiting for it he was just exactly. waiting on me to ease up and he swept me over and and you know of course we went right back at it again but that's the thing is jujitsu for me has been an a perfect welcoming to learn that most of my instincts are incorrect. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great way of putting it. Yeah. The uh, what, and, and I kind of, you, you talked about how this was something that your coach uh, works with you guys on. Um, and I guess when you, when you explained it, I was like, I kind of do that almost on accident inadvertently. Uh, but talking about like going to the, going to your round with a plan on like, mm -hmm. you're going to do this in this mm -hmm. round. Like, don't focus on like trying to work your way into a thousand different positions or, or submission attempts or whatever. Like if you're, if your goal is to, is to get them in, if you're in to get inside control and, and work, you know, in Americana from there, like do all you can to get to that. So make that your, your priority. And I, I guess, I don't know. It's just how I, I tend to visualize things when I'm in the middle of it, like, I think my, one of my real only advantages right now is that I can stay mainly calm during a lot of these yeah. situations and, and nasal breathe. Cause I've done so much of that, that nose breathing work and just like sit there and analyze. And so I only know a couple of things, right. Because right. like that, I feel confident, like in attempting. And so when I was doing stuff with you guys and, and rolling around, I think it happened with Jamie specifically, uh, I could get him, I had him in my clothes guard and I could just pop him away and sit there and, and look for a second and like, yeah. stay calm, like, okay, where, where's he going? Where's he going? And then from there, like, I know one thing and I'm only going to do it if he goes right here, because that's like how I need to operate. Right. Because like, if he makes this move, I'm like, I'm golden. If anything else, like, we'll just have to see. But, uh, and so I actually felt yeah. like I could do a couple of things on purpose where, so much these for you know like you do the first few months it's just like how do i survive right how do i not die dur during this but yeah like, a couple of those moments i'm like hey i can actually if he makes this move i'm actually having this thought in my head instead of just like ah, ah, there's an arm grab it uh type of thing and so i it was actually really fun because it's just so <laughs> different you know what i mean yeah well i can so we have a a second instructor so Scott is a, he's our Sifu. He's a director. He's, he's very, very skilled in multiple planes, but he, um, you know, he's, he's got one philosophy and <clears throat> he works at and teaches everything that he can and shows us multiple facets of his training. Adam is a Brown belt. He's our other instructor. And there was one time we were in an open mat. And I got into a position that I knew was good. Like I recalled that this position was a desirable position to be in. And I just looked down at him and he's like, I don't know what to do, Adam. Like, <laughs> what do I do? And he's like, well, you need to do this, this, and this. And I was like, I feel so stupid right now. But it's, it was, you know, it's just part of it. And that's yeah. one of the things I was talking to somebody the other day. You're going to feel, you're just going to feel all kinds of ways. I mean, we have some pretty talented females there um, that, I mean, they actually put it on the line. They actually fight and, I have no problem admitting that in the beginning, just from somewhat of a, 
I don't want to hurt this person, like actually hurt them right. to not knowing any skill whatsoever. I mean, it's like I was rolling with, uh, with Linda. She's a, she's a true cage fighter. She's mm-hmm. like 130 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I know a 240 pound man, 230 pound man. If I just, if, if I go for the head, just like try to elbow her or something like that. Yeah. That's a, that's a totally different thing, but that's not jujitsu. Right. Um, you kind of want to respect the rules of the game and I'm trying not to use strength and I'm trying to maneuver. Well, she's like triple jointed, you know, like not even double jointed, <laughs> like just beyond flexible. Um, and she just climbed all over me, worked all over me, passed yeah. my guard. Um, yeah. you know, if it was a point system, it would have been 300 to nothing. Like there was, there was no defense capable of, of stopping or slowing her down really. And that's awesome. And I, and I aspire to a level of, of, for myself where I don't care how good I really become. I don't really care. Um, you know, I want to compete and I want to do well at that, but I also don't care if it makes some level of like greatness. But when, when I roll with someone, I want them to compliment my jujitsu. That's the one thing. Yeah. Like I get complimented on my strength in jujitsu all the time. When I start getting complimented on my jujitsu, that's when I'll know I'm making headway. Right. So that that's my goal right now. Get get complimented for my ability to do jujitsu sans totally. strength. <laughs> <laughs> totally. What's what's so funny is when you say the um like you're worried about not crushing her or hurting her, right? Yeah. What I've noticed is like in the upper upper belts brown and black and sometimes even some purples depending on who they are they don't ever think about that for you yeah you know what i mean like she's not not worried about you hurting her (laughs) no not at all well (laughs) and that's the thing is it's like aside from me just becoming a belligerent asshole right right and and doing something stupid i wasn't going to hurt her in no way shape or form within the parameters of of jujitsu or probably even like mixed martial arts she was going to climb me all over and just mm-hmm. and wear me down. Um, and she's also a marathoner. So it's like, she has the days. gas and just <laughs> go and go and go and go. But, you know, even, even friends of mine, like Jordan, who's one of my primary rolling partners or Tyler, I mean, these are, these are guys that are working jobs, you know, they're training when they can train. They're not, they're not able to maybe commit the hours that I do, but they're really, really good guys and they really work hard and they pay attention. And I know they study tape and, it's just the feeling, man, of like, you know, Jordan will say something. We're, we're about a same, the same level. He's been there a little longer than I have. But, you know, he'll be like, I can tell that your your back passes have started to improve yeah, or your yeah. turtle games. You know, those little things, um, it, it just I, – I think I'm a kind of guy that needs that. And that's what I've said over and over again, too, on Peace, Love, and Meat page is that, you know, I'm hesitant to say go out and do jiu-jitsu. Like, I know that a lot of people would do it. I know a lot of people would love it, but that's not the answer to everyone's problem. Every, everyone needs something that makes everything else fit. Like I said, just training to train, man, I don't love that anymore. I don't look forward to that anymore. I don't look forward to going down and getting the pump. Like I just, I don't enjoy that. But if I have something that I can attach it to like, Oh, my archery gets better or my ability to, to hunt and hike gets better and my ability to do jiu-jitsu gets better then training and, and eating a certain way and going to bed at a certain time those things make a little more sense and they make me feel a little better but ultimately and i, and I kind of put this as a declaration uh publicly and and scott is really really great about making the point that a belt doesn't matter um 
because you know Nicky Rod's a purple belt and he's labeled the black belt slay, black belt slayer. Um, in a street fight, you're not worried about what color your yeah, belt is. So competency. But I think right now my first and foremost goal is really to get my blue belt and to earn it um, the right way, not just mm-hmm. win a competition, but to actually win a competition using jiu-jitsu. And uh, that that blue belt would be a, a high mark for me, just begins another journey into another level of, of something. Yeah. But I, I aspire and I hope that I can stick to I don't aspire to a black belt and I've tried to really kind of weigh out what I'm working towards. Yeah. I aspire to commit to something long enough that it takes to get a black belt. Mm. So, um, if, if I train for the rest of my life and end up a purple belt, that's fine with me. If it's honest effort and it's something that I stick to, it makes me better. Right. You know, so the belt isn't necessarily the, the end game, but man, to, to put in the time and to dedicate something and to see those belts, kind of be collected um it'd be it'd be a high thing for me in my life yeah it's cool man the yeah it's been such a because we talked about before like just from a skill development aspect i love it so much because i love going into it not knowing anything (laughs) like yeah you know what i mean it's like one of those things where uh you know you've got the strength advantage and I, and I'm, you know, I'm not weak, but uh, I can go into those things and kind of overpower myself in some situations too. But other than that, like I, those first, that first month brutal, like I loved it, but it's just when me and you have talked about it before, like I'll, I'll learn something in class, like, Oh, that's kind of cool. I, 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 that makes sense to me. And then like three hours later, like not even the next day, like at lunch, I'm like, I don't remember a thing what we yeah. just went over, <laughs> what we just went over. Yeah. And then the next day you well, go in and we're like, okay, we're going to build on what we did yesterday. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> hey, have you gotten flow grappling yet? No. Okay. So I recommend getting it. I can't remember exactly what it is. I want to say it's a hundred dollars a year or something, but um, that's where you get a lot of the jujitsu. Like there's a podcast and there's yeah. a lot of videos that they have for replay and whatnot. Tomorrow, Craig Jones is fighting. Um, He replaced, he replaced Gordon Ryan uh, in that match, but yeah, he's a guy I'm supposed to talk to sooner than later. He was doing the ultimate fighter for UFC. I was trying to connect him and Bo out there, but man, it's, you got to go pretty quick here too. Don't you You got to go a couple minutes. Yeah. A few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So we'll just, we'll wrap it up, but I encourage you to get that because it's something outside of just YouTube. It's, it's a lot of matches. There's a lot of things that you can watch. And it's especially once you start to identify like Scott, started pushing me towards the body lock system a little bit more, which you got mm-hmm. to feel some of that. I did um, feel that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so while I, while I, while I really enjoy Gordon Ryan and all of, of all of his stuff and Craig Jones is a phenomenal leg locker. I'm not really playing the same game that those two are. Whereas mm-hmm. Nikki rod is more upper body grappling work, yeah, body yeah. lock system and stuff. So you can kind of, once you identify your style, you can kind of find those fighters and watch their stuff on there. It's pretty, it's a pretty That's cool. There's not many things that I really say are worth their money anymore. And that one has been for me because I've invested That's, in it as far as like the time yeah. from the learning so. aspect. Yeah. We used to do float when I was running in college, flow track was huge. Uh, oh, okay. Cause that, I mean, they've, I think they've got several different 
branches yeah. and stuff through flow but uh i mean that's where you could watch everybody run every meet yeah because like, those are ne- especially like i'm just the same with jujitsu none of that's televised anywhere uh no. track nobody gives a rip about track unless it's the olympics <laughs> so like exactly if we wanted to watch anybody run like we had we had flow track it's awesome well dude i think that's a perfect way to end it um just want to say i appreciate you as a friend and as a man and I can't wait to see where you go in the fold of things and definitely got a lot to talk about. Yeah, man. That's fun. Thank you. Appreciate you, brother. All right. I look forward to it and just uh, send this over whenever.